Audio Bookshelf presents On Board the Titanic by Shelley Tanaka and read by Terry Brazy. Wednesday, April 10th, 1912, 10.30 a.m. Jack Thayer stared up from the pier at the gleaming black side of the Titanic. If he craned his neck, he could just see the top of one of the ship's four huge funnels. All morning he had been listening to people talk about the world's biggest ship. He was tired of hearing how brand spanking knew she was, the most luxurious ocean liner ever built. He was just glad to be going back to America after months of traveling in Europe with his parents. But as he got closer to the Titanic, he began to walk more quickly. Perhaps going on the first voyage of this giant new ship would be exciting after all. At the end of the covered gangway that led into the ship, a man in a green jacket offered him a white carnation. Jack was puzzled. For your buttonhole, sir, the steward said. Jack took the flower and, fumbling, tried to put it in his lapel. Jack, get a move on! Other people are waiting! He turned to see his mother and father waving him ahead. Behind them, other passengers were waiting to get on board. He stepped onto the thick carpets of the large white room lined with potted palms. Uniformed stewards were helping other passengers find their staterooms. In the middle of the reception room, a shiny candelabrum stood at the foot of a wide staircase with a curving handrail. Before long, a steward was ushering the Thayers up this staircase toward their rooms on sea deck. Inside their suite, the smell of fresh paint still lingered and Mrs. Thayer asked the steward to open the portholes. Porters then arrived with their luggage, and his parents began supervising the unpacking. Jack thought this would be a good time to make his escape and explore the ship. I'm going to have a look around, Mother. I'll see you both later. Just a minute, young man, said his mother, turning away from where her maid was unpacking dresses carefully wrapped in tissue paper. This is a very big ship. Are you sure you won't get lost? Jack's father poked his head around the doorway. The boy is seventeen years old, Marion. If he gets lost, he can ask for help. There are more stewards on the ship than ants at a picnic. Mr. Thayer turned to Jack and winked. You will go ahead, son, but meet us in the reception room in an hour. Jack gave his father a wave and hurried off. He thought he would start at the top of the ship and work his way down. As he climbed the grand staircase, a shaft of sunlight poked through the large glass dome overhead. Thinking he might take a walk on deck, he followed a group of people who seemed headed in that direction. Instead, he found himself in the ship's gymnasium, where an instructor in white trousers was urging people to try out the exercise machines. Two people pedaled stationary bicycles, and a man with a large mustache grinned as he bumped up and down on a leather-covered machine that imitated a horse ride. Jack decided to see if he could find the swimming pool he had heard people talking about. He saw an open elevator and stepped inside. Say, he said to the elevator operator, isn't there supposed to be a pool on this ship? The operator turned around, and Jack saw that he was about his own age. The swimming bath, sir, he replied in an English accent. It's on F deck. I can take you down to E deck, and it's down one flight from there. After exploring the lower decks, Jack finally found the swimming pool, but was disappointed to see that it was empty. We'll fill it later. The speaker behind him was a young-looking man in a brown suit with a pencil behind his ear 
and a roll of paper under his arm. Once we're out at sea, the man said, they'll fill the bath with clean sea water. Do you work here? Jack asked. I helped design the Titanic in Belfast. My name is Thomas Andrews. The man offered his hand. Jack shook it. That's terrific, but isn't your job over now? Andrew smiled. Far from it. We're always making changes and improvements. He quickly scribbled a note and stuffed it in the pocket of his jacket. Well, I've got more inspections to make. You're welcome to come along if you like. It was all Jack could do to keep up as he followed Andrews through the ship, up and down steep ladders and along narrow passageways. One moment he was shivering in a cold room filled with thousands of fresh flowers. The next minute he was watching as Andrews put his head inside a large machine that scrubbed and peeled potatoes. Looking at his watch, Jack suddenly realized that he was late for meeting his parents in the reception room. As he rushed back, he ducked into the Café Parisienne, one of the five restaurants on board the ship. It looked just like a French sidewalk café, with wicker chairs and real ivy growing up the walls. The crowds that had filled the first-class reception room earlier were gone now. Instead, small groups of people sat at tables scattered around the room. The air was filled with the buzz of many people talking, and the ship's band played quietly in the background. Here we are, dear, Mrs. Thayer called out, waving to Jack over a potted palm. Jack's parents were sitting with a group of familiar people. He recognized Mr. and Mrs. Widener and their son Harry, who lived near the Thayers outside Philadelphia. Mr. Widener, who had made his fortune building streetcars, was one of the richest men on board. Next to them sat Mr. and Mrs. Carter, who had a brand new French car stored in the Titanic's hold. Mr. Carter was fussing about the car as if it were a prize racehorse. The grown-ups chatted non-stop, comparing the way their staterooms were decorated or reading the names of well-known people from the printed list of first-class passengers. Many rich and famous people had paid huge amounts of money to sail on the first voyage of the most luxurious ship in the world. Jack wasn't paying attention. He preferred watching the other people in the room. One woman had a fluffy object tucked under her arm. At first Jack thought it was her purse, but suddenly it moved and showed two beady little black eyes. The tiny long-haired dog and his mistress wore matching beaded collars. Jack jumped as the Titanic's whistle blew. All at once the group stood up. Everyone wanted to be on deck to watch the ship cast off. Slowly and steadily the Titanic pulled away from the dock. From the shore a crowd waved and followed the ship along the pier. Jack noticed that people were tossing flowers from the ship. Suddenly he remembered the carnation in his lapel. Leaning over the railing, he threw it way down into the water. Along the pier, several smaller ships were tied up. As the Titanic began to sweep past them, the suction from the big ship pulled a ship called the New York toward it. Several sharp cracks split the air like gunshots as the New York's thick ropes snapped. The torn ropes whipped back toward the dock, right in the faces of the crowd. The stern of the New York began to swing out. It was drifting right into the Titanic's path. Jack gripped the railing. He stared as the Titanic moved closer and closer to the New York. It was like watching a golf ball rolling slowly toward the hole. Would it miss? He held his breath. 
At the last second, a tugboat appeared and began to pull the smaller ship away. With only inches to spare, the Titanic slipped by the New York. Did you see that, Father? Jack exclaimed. That was a close one. There was no reply. When Jack turned his head, he saw that his father had moved down the railing to take photographs. In his place stood an elderly man smoking a pipe. The man frowned at Jack and shook his head. Too close, if you ask me, he said. It's bad luck for something like this to happen at the start of a maiden voyage. <laughs>